Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Hello, Edit Your Life friends. I am so excited about today's episode with the wonderful Laura Tremaine. Hi, Laura. Hi, thank you so much for having me on this show. I'm super excited to talk to you. I am so excited to talk to you for many reasons. And as I was saying before we set up our official recording, I just feel like I've known you on the internet for a long time, but we just have not had any significant hang time in person. You know, whenever we're sort of in the same space, it's at a crazy conference. And so it's it's total madness. But so selfishly, I'm just really psyched about this opportunity to sit down and chat with you. Same, same. I've followed you for so long. We live almost as far apart as possible, I feel <laughs> like. Do. Entire country spans between us. <laughs> so we have never gotten to hang out, but I've just followed you and your work and for like literally years since way back in the mommy blogging heyday. So I'm I'm I know we're both both podcasting now. Yeah, we're both old, old guard bloggers and and now podcasting. And I am just um, I'm quite fascinated about today's conversation and how it will unfold, because we're going to be talking about, you know, I think what I'm tentatively titling this in my mind is really kind of like embracing and leaning into your vulnerability and like the power of sharing and I I think the ups and downs of all of that, but, um, and we'll sort of get to why this is such a big part of your life in just a second, but I guess let's start out with some basic sharing. And I would love for you to tell your listeners about your trajectory, you know, to Hollywood in blogging, podcasting, and soon to be author. I'm like shaking virtual pom-poms right now. (laughs) Um, Thank you. I'm very excited because I actually started 11 years ago, more than that, Mm -hmm. even with like the end goal to be an author, I always wanted to get here. I had no idea it was going to take quite this long, Mm -hmm. but here we are. I grew up in a super tiny town in Southern Oklahoma. And then I went to college in Oklahoma also. And I just always wanted to, I don't want to say get out because I love Oklahoma and I had a really wonderful childhood there, but I always felt like I was uncomfortable in my skin. Mm. And 
that I wanted to be um, in a big city. I wanted to be almost anonymous or something. Like I just, I mm-hmm. felt mm-hmm. like I was a very anxious child. And growing up in Oklahoma, I felt like you stand out when you're different mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like smaller areas, of course. And I was uncomfortable with that, which is funny because now all I do is <laughs> have the spotlight on me purposefully. <laughs> but anyway, yes. when growing up, that was not the case. I wanted um, a bigger pond, I guess. And so after mm. college, I moved to Los Angeles sight unseen. I had never been here. I didn't have a job. I didn't know anyone. I just, it felt like when you grow up in the very middle of the country, you either go to New York or LA. Those are the big, Uh those are the biggest leaps you can make, basically, Uh if you're going to stay in America. And I was too scared of New York, frankly. And so it was kind of just by default. I came to LA with my eyes on wanting to be a writer, but I didn't need to be in LA. I didn't, it's not like I wanted to be a TV writer. I came here though, and I got a job right away through like, you know, a family friend of an acquaintance. I mean, it was just a really weird connection, but I just got an entry level job at MTV as a production assistant. And so I worked in reality television. Also, again, by default, I was just kind of following what kept working out mm-hmm. for a long time, for seven years. And I met my husband while we were working at MTV. And when we got married and wanted to start a family, I quit my job, which was freelance anyway. And it took us a while to get pregnant. And I was a newlywed and he was working all the time. And I just ended up deeply lonely. Mm, Like, mm -hmm. I was like, all of my friends that I had in LA were tied to my job. We're tied to working and they're all still working 12 hour production days. I'm like now at home and I just, I, I realized I had lost a lot of the relationships in my life, not lost in a bad way, but just, I just was very, um, unmoored. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it, I, there was about two years of that, of, just, of sort of a, a dark, lonely time. And, and I ended up having a baby. And so I did two things that alleviated my loneliness. I started a book club, a real life book club, and I started a mommy blog. Mm-hmm. And the common thread of those things, which I was not connecting all these dots at the time, you know, sure. now it's easy for me to package it as a story. But, and it's, I mean, it's a true story, but at the time, you're, you know, everyone just back doing then the it's survival. Yeah, it's right, survival. Totally. Right. But looking back, I could see that the two things that those had in common that really pulled me out of a lot of sadness and wandering was sharing myself. Mm-hmm. This book club I started, we you know, was small and very, we would meet for hours and get very vulnerable with one another. And then mommy blogging, of course, by nature of it, before it became a big booming business, the original mommy blogging was also being very vulnerable on the mm-hmm. internet. Mm-hmm. And so those two things just after spending a long time sort of inside myself, I'm an introvert and um, I'm not overly private it, and I wasn't private then either, but when I didn't have anybody to share anything with, I stopped sharing. Mm-hmm. So then when suddenly I was able to share myself, you know, then the, then it, the, my trajectory changed entirely. Starting that mommy blog, especially changed everything for me because I was finally writing after being in a, at that time, I'd been in LA for almost 10 years and hadn't really done any substantial writing. 
But now suddenly, you know, I had a free instant gratification audience. Yeah, for <laughs> so sure. For sure. I, you know, and it, it went well. My uh, blog was called Hollywood Housewife back then, which had a certain appeal. You know, now it's kind of funny sounding. But at the time, it that was appealing. Real Housewives had just taken off. Mm-hmm. Mommy blogging was big. Um, and so I just wrote my little heart out and started going to blogging conferences and meeting people and getting jobs and opportunities to write and travel all, all circled around the blog. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing for me, but I did always want to write longer form. I did always want to write a book, but still that just never, that just never really happened. And as mommy blogging changed and I definitely changed away from sort of that branding, that Hollywood housewife branding. I closed that blog and, and was a um, co-host on a podcast called sort of awesome. Yes. And right. I sort I did that with my friend Meg Teets, also an OG mommy blogger, but I sort of did it as a favor to her. Like I was mm-hmm. just like, sure, I'll be a co-host on your podcast. What, what's a podcast. And I loved using my literal voice. Like I ended mm-hmm. up loving talking, which was not what I expected because I had really identified myself as a writer, like mm-hmm. written word only. And so I got into podcasting and loved it. I started two more podcasts since I stepped away from the Sorta Awesome team. And now I'm currently working on 10 Things to Tell You is my main podcast. It's weekly. It's all about sharing because I finally did connect all these threads. And then out of... 10 things to tell you. Uh, I ended up getting a book deal and then we'll and publish my first book next year, early next, next year. year. So. Yeah. February. Well, I love it. I love this. I love your story. And I want to sort of point out and underline something you said uh, at the beginning, which is that, you know, it was 11 an 11 year journey to get to the book. And I want to say this because I feel like in this world of I don't know, just, you know, living your best life and, you know, chase your dreams and all this stuff that people expect things to happen, excuse me, so quickly. And a lot of the times that's just not how things happen. You know, you needed to have that trajectory um, in order to get like to the place now. So I just, I'm, I'm like so glad you stuck with it. (laughs) And, um, and it's very exciting about the, the podcasting. And it's funny because hearing you say that, like, you weren't really thinking about that lane. And then all of a sudden you fell in love with it. I feel the same way. I mean, I actually used to really hate my voice. And so I thought, there's no way I could do a podcast, but then people tell me they really feel very calm listening to me. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) That is so funny. That exact thing happened to me when I was on the sort of awesome podcast at the beginning, I had people, people who love me, loved ones. I'm not going to name any names who basically suggested that I, like take voice lessons or something like they didn't, they didn't like my voice either. Oh my goodness. Okay. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, I didn't, I had more than one person tell me that my voice was grating or twangy and that, and I didn't take it overly personally. And I also was just, didn't get around to doing any voice lessons. Well now here, I don't know, maybe my voice has changed from when you start and you learn you know, how to speak better on mic. But now people say that to me too, that they really like my voice. And I just, it's such a funny circle because that was not the original messages (laughs) that I was getting. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Okay. Well, so I'm thinking about your story and real, especially, um, 
you know, we both, I think, started, if I have my, if I'm thinking correctly, like before social media existed, and then all of a sudden it came and like the train came charging through the station. And I guess what I'm thinking here is that I think the challenges about sharing ourselves, and you talk about this journey of really finding your ability to do that or the platform to do that, I feel like there've always been challenges about sharing ourselves. And I think social media has also cracked this open in a big way. I know people who feel deeply uncomfortable with sharing and sort of disturbed by the levels to which other people will share. Um, and then other people who are like totally good with anything. So, um, and I think this is now further complicated because I think relationships are also under a sort of unique kind of stress about given the pandemic. And like, would you agree with that? Do you feel like social media changed the conversation about sharing? I do. And I think it's real. It's been further complicated by women historically being silenced. Mm. You would think that now that we have all of these ways in which to, to use a microphone metaphorically or literally that we would all be shouting from the rooftops. And in some of the circles that you and I run in people who are very comfortable online, there is a lot of shouting from the rooftops, but the average American woman feels very shamed by sharing online. Mm-hmm. They have been shamed by, if you know, if they overshare, then someone in their community or family or whatever is like, why did you share that? Mm-hmm. Or they have witnessed other people sharing in a way that they think is tacky mm-hmm. and, or, ju- you know, they're sort of judging the way someone else shares. So then they don't want to share their thing when something happens to them. There's, I've seen so much shame and um, judgment around sharing if you're not a professional sharer, you know, if you're not a blogger, influencer, Mm -hmm. whatever, for the average person, everybody knows that woman in their circle, in their social circle who Mm overshares and everyone talks about her. (laughs) Right. Right. And so then that silences you ultimately, because you don't want to be talked about. You don't want people to roll their eyes at you. And so you end up not sharing whether you want to or not. It's, it's, it seems like we should be in because the voices are so loud that we see, but my audience, which is mostly moms, mostly American women, they feel very shy about, about sharing. They Mm -hmm. feel like taking a selfie and putting it up is so narcissistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even if they want to, I do, I host these challenges a few times a year on social media and I do all different kinds of social media challenges, but often there's a selfie component where I want people to post their selfies. They do it so shyly or they'll post this beautiful picture of themselves and then they'll apologize for it. Mm-hmm. Like I never post selfies, you guys. I'm so sorry, but I'm participating in this challenge and like, la, la, la. I see these kinds of captions. Mm. And I just think it's so interesting that that's this weird contrast that if you were to just ask someone on the shallow level, oh yeah, everybody overshares. Oh, there's so much sharing. There's just too much sharing. Mm -hmm. But really individually, that's not what's happening with a lot of women. They're actually watching other people share and not sharing themselves. And I also want to say about that, my main message in the sharing does not have to be online. 
Mm-hmm. I understand that there's a million landmines that people are walking around in for sharing online, you know, because of their families or their communities or their own just preferences. I'm not trying to get people to share online. That happens to be the platform that I work in and where I could see it. If somebody who followed me was going to share, I have to see it online. But my main message is to just share in your life because the other Mm -hmm. side of my story is that real life book club. Well, that was private. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. want people to have a way to share conversation starters or, you know, resources or tools or tips to share in their life. I I don't need people to share online if that's yeah. like that's not my argument. You know what right. I mean? I that is that has too many layers. Yeah, to yeah. it for people. I totally understand that. Well, I actually want to dig more into the in real life um, sharing and friendships, and we will do that after a quick break. Are you like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids, designed for kids ages six and up? Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you you listen to your podcasts. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Laura Tremaine, and we are talking about, uh, or just before the break, we were talking about sharing and um, the challenges that women face with sharing. And we were just starting to kind of dig into, yes, at one level, there's the selfie sharing, <laughs> you know, or just kind of personal online sharing. But I guess my question for you, Laura, is why do you think um, women struggle so much to share themselves, even in, in real life friendships, because I feel like that's the ideal scenario. It feels safer. Right. And, and then I guess my second follow-up to that would be how people can work on getting over their fear of vulnerability in service of their friendships. 
Well, I think there's so many reasons that women don't share. And as I've dug into this with my own audience and my own friendships, because I grew up in one part of the country, I live in one part of the country, I've realized that I think a huge factor in this is regional. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the things that we learn about like perfection, projecting perfection, uh, polite society. As we get older, some of the things that we want to talk about or, or that we need to talk about that we end up hiding are, are things that are difficult for a few reasons. So one example is your marriage. If you are having marriage problems, it's so hard to talk about, not because you are necessarily ashamed to have marital problems, but because you don't want your best friend to think badly of your spouse Mm -hmm. or you don't, you know, the, maybe the problems, the nature of the problems themselves, intimacy or something are embarrassing to talk about. So we end up not talking about these things for these other layers. Well, then there's also things that like, let's say this is something I talk a lot about in my book, things from our past, like things from our and I don't I don't mean like deep childhood traumas that everyone sort of agrees. Maybe you should work through or whatever. I'm just talking about regular things like your your first teenage heartbreak or like Mm -hmm. whatever, just normal kind of milestones in your life that that affect you that you still sometimes maybe think about. Well, as you get older, people are like, why are we, why are you still talking about that? <laughs> Please get over your eighth grade heartbreak. Yeah. And it's not that you're not over it. It's just that we're not encouraged to even talk about those things at all. We're really encouraged to put the past in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're really encouraged to put our present, our marriage and things, our parenthood, whatever, into a certain perfection box. So there's just lots of reasons that we are told not to share certain things. It feels like this really narrow sliver of things that it's okay to share about. Mm-hmm. And like bread e- recipes, <laughs> right? <laughs> or like, it's okay to talk about how hard parenting is in a certain sliver, yeah. but you're not allowed to talk about like, maybe you don't like parenting at all. Uh-huh. You're only allowed to talk about, you don't like parenting when your kids aren't sleeping or you don't like parenting the teenage years. You are not really allowed to talk about other things. Like there's these really specific boxes that we are allowed to be vulnerable about. Everything else is off the table for various reasons. And so we just don't even know how to start those conversations or how Mm -hmm. to even say it. We feel like we're the only ones. Like, Mm -hmm. am I the only one that isn't enjoying X, Y, Z? Am I the only one who still thinks about their teenage first love? You know, whatever the thing is. Because those things just never get discussed. Yeah. And we don't even, because we don't know how to online or in person. Like, how do you even start that conversation? Well, let me tell you about my <laughs> first love. Yeah. I mean, well, a friend would be like, huh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. where sure. are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Well, I want to say that, so let me see if I can hold two thoughts in my head. The first thing I want to say is that my very, very smart therapist once said to me, um, you know, that our experiences live in ourselves. And I, I cannot agree with that more. I think, you know, like you said, they're not, it's not like you're 
kind of obsessing over that first love or whatever, you know, on a daily basis. It's just those things stick with you. And Mm -hmm. I know that whenever I say to people, because I talk very openly about friendships and relationships and friendships especially used to be really, really hard for me. Like I, you know, I was like the Asian kid in a predominantly white suburb and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and I wore the same clothes to school for like week, you know, a week at a time. And I just desperately wanted friends and they were really hard to come by. And, and so even now I, like, I think all those years of that struggle and then later in life, you know, being older and being told by other friends that, you know, you're not being enough of a friend to me, stuff like that. All those little experiences, they stack up and they matter. Even if you've kind of moved on to a life like now where I feel like I'm, you know, seriously, blessedly abundant in friendships, like those still things, experiences still kind of like, you know, tug at me every now and then. And I think that I I think people should stop dismissing. I agree with you. They should stop dismissing your, you know, your story because all of those things matter and they contribute to why you're feeling whatever you're feeling in the moment. Exactly. I agree with you. There's a million things, a million small stories that make up who we are. But then here's the other thing, Christine, and this one is harder and trickier. And I don't have an answer to this because so much of this is cultural, but as much as we want to share our own stories, we we are not prepared or have the patience for other people's stories. And so even if I'm your dear friend and I'm willing to listen to you talk about your first heartbreak and like, it's a fun story over lunch or whatever, mm-hmm. then if it's deeper than that, if it's something that you're like, actually, this is really something I'm kind of returning to in therapy or something. I don't want to, ca- I don't want to carry the burden of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean mm-hmm. me specifically. I just mean like, we don't know how to interact with one another's stories. We don't know how to mm. remember them and hold them. And then, you know, a, a year later when something else comes up, say, hey, I just wanted to check in on this thing. Or do you mm-hmm. think that your current struggles are related to this thing you told me about a while ago? Mm-hmm. We don't know how to do that. And we almost feel like I don't have time for this. Like I don't have time for her issues. Mm-hmm. Well, it, which is an extension of yeah. of saying like, oh, she overshares and now what, you know, it's all the, all these things are tied together and I'm guilty of this myself. Like I will not remember, a friend will tell me something deep and important to her and I will forget it. I know I'm really bad at that. Even though I, uh, even though in the moment I am actually listening, like I am genuinely listening. I've always sort of chalked it up to me having a crap memory, but I don't know, maybe there's something else going on. Like maybe I I don't know what it is, but I'm really interested to hear you say that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is and I don't have a solution because part of it is like mom brain. Part of it is there's just so much information, you know, Mm -hmm. before the internet, a person had a circle of friends. Well, just keeping a circle of friends information kind of all straight was Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. not as hard Mm -hmm. 20, 30, a hundred years ago. Well, now we, not only do we have our actual friends, we follow a thousand people online that are sharing about their stories and their kids and their whatever. And that mm-hmm. and all this information, it's just like, it filters through us. Sure. And sure. it's really hard to keep straight. Everyone's with the best of intentions. It's really hard to keep straight. Mm-hmm. Everyone's stories and their hurts and their yeah. interesting moments, like how it's just, there's too much information in the world. But then, but if, if a dear friend forgets something important that you told them, 
well, that doesn't make you want to tell them again. Like, so it's just a self perpetuating cycle of all these different ways that we are subtly and overtly discouraged from sharing. Mm -hmm. And and there's no like great solution other than I just keep telling people to just keep doing it no matter what, Mm -hmm. even if your friend forgot, like just keep sharing yourself. Yeah. Don't for yourself, for you. Right. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, I think it's challenging. I also think that, you know, if as a woman you're, or person, you're going through a lot and you feel like you're being extra for your friends. Like, I think there's also the sort of guilt and not wanting to be that person. But I think, I think we just have to like be, you know, be who we are and, and be out there. Um, you know, so this leads me to another question actually, which I'm sort of curious to ask you for a number of reasons, (laughs) but you know, we've talked about how some people are deeply private in nature. Sharing makes them very uncomfortable, whether that's due to shame or something cultural or who knows. How have you handled people who criticize you for sharing or oversharing? Well, I get that. You know, the mommy blogging community got that in a big way. Mm-hmm. And not only did we get the theoretical criticism around oversharing, you know, there's several instances where we watched people implode, mm. basically. Mm-hmm. You know, they overshared about their whatever, their uh, parenthood, maybe. And then something really big and huge happened. They either mm-hmm. got caught lying or there was a tragedy or, I, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we watched a few, it only takes a few scenarios to be like, oh, I don't want that to happen to my family. Sure. To again, shut you down from sharing. And in some ways that's, you know, smart. There, there is a balance, I think, of what you're putting out there online and off. I haven't gotten a ton of criticism. I mean, I have, and I've lost friends actually when I was mommy blogging because people just in my life just did not understand why I was putting my family out there like that, or Mm -hmm. they thought it was Mm -hmm. lame. And their expression of how lame I am obviously killed that friendship. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, like, you know, I mean, there's lots of reasons that I got sort of indirect criticism, I guess, or like just theoretical criticism. I mean, I personally have not gotten a ton of direct criticism, like you shouldn't have shared that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have been pretty careful with what I put out about my family online because. My husband is a director. He has a a fan base of his mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. that is, you know, not a mommy blog demographic. Yeah. Are you guys so, out on the internet? Like, do people know you guys are married or? Oh, yeah, yeah. People oh, okay. know we're married. They know we have kids. I, I haven't used my kids' names online. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I have shared a lot about our family. Mm-hmm. But I have been, I have always been maybe a little extra careful because of this other part of our life. Sure. So I, I'm only saying that as an explanation for why I don't think I have taken some of the direct hits, some of my mommy blogging friends or just blogging friends have um, just because of these other issues. The criticisms that I've gotten in have been more general of like, why would you ever do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a little bit easier to 
I don't know. Is that easier or harder to defend? I don't know. I feel like I'm just sort of like, I got to a point eventually, like, if you don't get it, you don't get it. So I'm just going to have to keep moving on. Yeah. I guess it, it, if it was a more direct criticism, like you really shouldn't have told that story, then you can defend a specific story or not. I feel like this is a weird day. I don't know how to answer this because I haven't yeah. had to handle the criticism you're asking about. I'm curious if you have. Have you gotten direct criticism that you've had to handle? I have. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really tricky. And um, it's made me realize that, you know, and it's been to a level where um, I my realization has been that even if I'm describing something very vaguely, um, I think the human condition, the natural inclination is to feel like somebody you know is talking about you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. even even I've had a situation where I said somebody gave me a hard time about something I shared claiming that I was talking about them, I was not, and I said I wasn't and they said I don't believe you. And I was like, mm. well there's nothing I can do about that. You <laughs> know, so I think that it's made me realize um you know, it's actually helped me develop some empathy. Like I feel like people are doing their own thing. And they are going through their own struggle and they will interpret, um, you know, what somebody else is saying sort of in a context that's dependent on whatever they're experiencing. Um, So I think that, you know, as you said, you can be careful, but you're not going to be able to please everybody. I mean, it's just it's not the nature of the beast. I mean, nobody nobody pleases everybody. So I think you can be. thoughtful or we should be thoughtful about how we approach sensitive things. But, you know, also sometimes people are always going to, you know, have criticism and some, a lot of it's not even going to have to do about you. It's going to have to do with what they're dealing with. Yeah, that's true. I will also say that I have the, the closest people in my life that, that might be rankled by the things I write about, meaning my husband, my family of origin, they have never uh, censored me. Mm. They have always been like, you do, you know, I, I trust you to share this story, how you feel, how you see fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that has empowered me a lot. If you have yeah. the closest people in your life to just be like, you tell it. But also I think that they're, they're able to say that to me because I, I don't spill all the juicy details. Yeah, I feel like I have up built trust. up Yes. Yeah, I've built up a trust, and so then then they've trusted it. In the book that I wrote, I'm not saying this as a plug. I'm just saying this in the conversation. I share things I've never, ever shared online. I get a lot more vulnerable in the book. And so maybe ask me this question again in six months when I'm fielding <laughs> some real criticism about why I shared uh-huh. about losing my virginity in book form. But uh-huh. I did. So I guess we'll talk about it. Oh, girl, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, I do actually want to talk to you a bit more about boundaries, um, and we'll do that after we come back from a quick break. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. 
Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Okay, friends, we are back with Laura Tremaine, and whew, we are having like, I'm just like loving this conversation so much, and I want it to go on like forever. But um, I have questions. So before the break, we were talking about, I mean, we were starting to talk about boundaries and how to deal with people and criticism. And obviously, I feel like because everything is so digital now, you know, boundaries are a constant conversation, whether you're talking about just like kids tech use or what we share on social media. And I found it really interesting to hear about the boundaries that you have set up with your family. I think you've, it sounds like, you know, you guys have really worked it out well. Do you have any recommendations for people who might find themselves in a relationship where they're kind of on opposite sides of the sharing spectrum. So like one person really wants to share and the other person is like, oh my God, please don't ever. <laughs> I know a lot of people who have this situation, you know, mm -hmm. with their spouse or with their um, parents or I've just heard this siblings, you know, lots of stories that people tell obviously involve other people who are, uncomfortable with the sharing. You know, I, this is not probably popular opinion and I would have, this has changed over the years because I think before I would have said there's a real argument to prioritizing those relationships if they're important to you. Do you know what I mean? Like you need mm -hmm. to defer to Caution, you know, you need to err on the side of caution in terms of protecting your real life relationships over sharing online or even sharing mom's night out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But really, depending on the situation and depending on the personalities of, of the people involved here, I think again, it's another way of silencing you mm. and keeping our hurts. And our pains and our struggles 
stuffed under the rug and not dealt with. And I, of course, there's a balance. Of course, there is a place for how you share and what you share. And I'm not for spilling out the details of your divorce online. I think that that's probably bad for legal reasons. I was just going to say parental legal reasons. reasons. Yeah. Like there's yeah. a lot of reasons that you should not share certain, you know, lots of things, especially details and things like that. But what I end up thinking, a bigger picture concern of mine and what has become a more prominent concern of mine is that people who don't share end up staying in terrible toxic relationships for years mm-hmm. longer than they mm-hmm. would have if they had said to a girlfriend, hey, this is happening in my marriage mm. and had a friend reflect back, this isn't okay. Like, mm. you know, and so they don't know because they've never shared this thing that's happening. And so they spend years of their life uh, in a bad situation or they don't share about their traumatic childhood and they end up um, with like illness and pain in their body, you know, because I believe trauma is stored in your body. And so, you know, we, we are literally making ourselves sick Mm -hmm. by protecting others. Mm -hmm. And there's a balance because sometimes you do want to protect someone you love and you don't want to like say all the sordid things. And I understand that, but not saying it at all is really affecting our, the middle part of our life. I really think that is affecting our bodies, our health, our mental health. Uh, our friendships, because we just go more and more inward and it's really affecting us. And so I, you know, I, I don't want to encourage people to put themselves in legal trouble or to put themselves in, in a situation that could be dangerous to them. But the bigger umbrella of it is it's just going to harm you in another way, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's going to come out your hurts and your loneliness. Cause again, it's not all about trauma, but like all these things build up. And by the time we're in our thirties, forties, it has to come out some way and it comes out in our bodies. Mm -hmm. It comes out in explosive divorces. It comes out in, you know, rebellious, delayed rebellious behavior that then is harmful and toxic itself. Like there's just so many ways where I feel like, you know, if we were talking more, if we were like giving these things a release, Along the way, it would be less of an explosion. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. And I'm I'm sort of joking, but not really. But you know, it can even express itself in the form of stress-related dandruff, which, you know, is one of the top <laughs> hits on my blog because <laughs> I recorded a video about it. <laughs> um I, I no, I I really, really agree. And I just so many of the things that you were saying today, Laura, they just um they just they just hit a really personal chord for me because um you know we'll talk about this some other time but even just to touch the surface you know i was in like a several years emotionally abusive relationship like right out of high school and part of that was the reason it went on for so long was because i didn't tell anybody about it you know and mm-hmm. i didn't have that friend to reflect back on me or you know or my friends kind of vaguely knew i was dating somebody but they just I think that the party line was that he was like asocial and didn't want to ever meet anybody. And so he was just this kind of hidden mystery figure. Right. So I just, um, you know, your, your comment on that just really sticks with me because I just think it's true. We, we suffer more if we keep it all in. 
Well, and I mean, this is a classic form of abuse that, and I'm not any kind of therapist. I'm not any kind of an expert. I'm speaking totally from watching this happen um, in loved ones' lives and friends' lives that we, we don't classify it as abuse because like I alluded to earlier, we just, we classify it as like not bashing your spouse, like not yeah. saying anything. You should mm-hmm. never say anything bad about your spouse or you shouldn't air your dirty laundry or you shouldn't, uh, you know, it's impolite to talk about struggles. And also people can classify their relationship struggles as like, well, marriage is hard. Everybody mm. says it. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that like, sure, marriage is hard. There's a healthy hard of just like a long-term relationship. And then there's like, well, marriage is hard, but what you're actually going through, honey, is abuse or is toxic or, you know, and if you just said it to a friend, like, hey, we had this fight and this was said, Mm -hmm. or, you know, hey, my partner doesn't feel like I should ever X, Y, Z. I don't know, whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is. You would immediately, if you said that at girls brunch, you would immediately have friends. If you have good friends reflect back to you. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Wait, what? Yeah. And want yeah. and pull it out of you and then just say, hey, that doesn't feel right to me. Um, maybe you should ask a therapist or a doctor or a whatever. You know, you, you need to have your friends reflect back to you sometimes. And I have friends who will reflect back to me that I'm the crazy one. By the Mm -hmm. way, this is Mm -hmm. not always about like people are in these terrible secret Mm -hmm. awfulness. Sometimes I need a friend to reflect back to me like you're being a little bit cuckoo. Like, (laughs) well, that's what the level, you know, that's the, the, the great thing about good friendships is you need people to like call you on your BS and then also lift, you know, support you when you you are kind of in a hole. Like it's both things are really important. Both things, but if you're not sharing at all, then you you never get the reflection, right? And right. you and I think we talk ourselves into that we are doing the right thing by not sharing mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we are protecting our family or we are pro- projecting perfection or or whatever our reasons are for not sharing our hard things. But it's ultimately how we've seen it play out time and time again is actually does us no favors. It Mm. might feel good Mm -hmm. in the moment because who wants to get into a hard conversation over girls brunch, but a decade later, you've, you've really, you've ended up in the wrong territory of your life. And you're like, how did I get here? Well, I just wandered here. I didn't have anybody to say, well, what are you doing? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so I want to just move on to your book, which I'm now even more excited to read than I was. I was already excited, but now I'm really excited. And your book is called, um, it's coming out next year, 2021, and it's called Share Your Stuff. I'll go first. 10 questions to take your friendships to the next level. And I was hoping I could convince you to share like one of those key questions and why it's powerful or like one, basically just one powerful nugget from the book. Well, so each question, sorry. So each chapter asks a question, much like my podcast, 10 Things to Tell You. It asks a question that is a question you can answer for yourself in your journal. Or my real hope is that you would answer the question with a friend. This is giving you the conversation mm-hmm. starter of the things that we're talking about because you aren't just going to say, hey, let me tell you about my childhood. Mm-hmm. You're not going to randomly say that. But if you were like, hey, like I am reading this book and there are these questions, like maybe we could answer them together. 
then it becomes a real conversation with a partner, with a friend, or if you're on your own journey, then in a journal. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a mix of questions. There's some hard, deep ones, and then there's some lighter kind of fun ones that are just to get your wheels turning, to get you thinking about who you really are at your core. One of the questions, this is actually one of the harder ones, but I'm going to share it, is what are you afraid of? Mm. And I think this can be answered in so many different ways. And I, I wrote about it because I have some deep fears. I'm very anxious. I pull my hair out when I'm anxious. I uh, get migraines. I, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of anxiety. It's all fear-based mm-hmm. from these deep-rooted fears. And if you ask this question, the first thing that comes to mind often if you're a parent is like, you know, maybe losing a child. That's a deep fear for me. Or you, some people have fears like phobias, like they're scared of heights or whatever. But why I wanted people to talk about their fears is because I think we don't talk about them because we're afraid that we're going to like jinx it. Mm, Like if we uh say we are afraid of uh, um, driving in traffic, well, like we're, we are convinced that then we're going to have a wreck because we said it out loud. It's like Mm -hmm. we invited it in. Mm -hmm. I do not think that's how the universe works. I do not think that's how God works or whatever your belief system is. Like, I don't think that you call in bad things because you said them out loud. And so I want people to talk about them because I think when you say them out loud, it actually takes their power away. Yeah. Not that you won't have that fear anymore, Mm -hmm. but it sort of makes it less dark. Mm -hmm. The story that I talk about in this chapter, What Are You Afraid Of?, is I, for my whole life, I I was a latchkey kid. Both my parents worked, have been afraid of home invasion. Mm -hmm. I was very scared of this. And I, as a young person, sought out a lot of dark, like I like to read Stephen King. I got really obsessed with the Titanic sinking. Like I sort of sought out these really dark things. And a lot of it was, it would help me. These these darker stories would help me. It would alleviate my fear of something bad happening to me. Hmm. And in the 90s and then early 2000s, as true crime was on the rise, true crime was especially on the rise among women. Mm-hmm. There has been these thoughts about, in some ways we're attracted to true crime, not as entertainment, although it has sort of become that, but as like, oh, it's almost like a way that we, we arm ourselves to know that these things can happen and what would happen if we were murdered? Well, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in this, the fall of 2018, I was at home and someone broke into my home. Oh, my goodness. I think I remember this, actually. Yes. Okay. Our home was robbed. Mm -hmm. And while I was at home. And, you know, I I tell the story in the book a little more deeply, but this was a great fear that I had always had. And in some people, even though I live in a big city, people were always sort of like, that's a really strange fear that you have. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. It's like being afraid of airplane crashes which people are very, very afraid of airplane crashes and commercial flights, knock on wood, just don't crash that often. But people Mm -hmm. have really irrational 
fears around it, they this is what this felt like to me. Like I had an irrational fear of home invasion and then I experienced a home invasion. Mm-hmm. And talking about it before and after, it had, it did not, I did not bring that into my, I did not manifest that. I don't think that's how these things work. But now I can talk about it after and be like, this, this thing happened to me. I'm okay. My family's yeah. okay. You know, it sucked, but it's okay. It, we're okay. Um, Life has moved forward, and I don't know if this is what you wanted out of the answer to this question. I think it, you know, it does. It, it, it is well. For I'm just fascinated on a number of levels, but I think it is powerful to think about. I mean, this whole idea of kind of confronting and speaking to your fears. I mean, I think it's huge, and I th- I do think what you said. I know I don't know if it was tongue in cheek or not, but. Um, you know, about people sort of feeling like, oh, I don't want to say it out loud because then it might happen. Like that is a real thing for people. And so it is real. I was not was not tongue in cheek. I do think people are afraid to answer this question because they're afraid if they say that they're afraid it's going to happen, that they have called it into being. But if you really dig deep on that, do you really believe that that's how it works? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't think most people really believe that. It's just we feel superstitious around it. For sure. Yeah. No, I get that. So yeah, I think um I think that sounds like super fascinating. <laughs> um and wow. I as I said, I just I'm incredibly excited um or even more excited to read your book in full. It sounds so incredible. Um so as I said, I feel like we could just continue to talk for hours and hours, but I think we do need to wrap because both you and I I don't know, have pandemic stuff to deal with probably, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I have you on the hook for one last question. So at the end of each of our episodes, Asha and I share what we call your next edit. It's basically just like a quick tip that listeners can, you know, think about doing right after they put their earbuds away. And I would love to hear what your next edit is in the context of our conversation today. Oh, I have a really good answer to this, but it's not even, in, it's not really in context to our conversation. Well, just hit, then it doesn't even have to be in context. <laughs> Why did I even say that? You can say whatever you want. You're the guest. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, in the context with our conversation, I would say, uh, I want people to challenge themselves to share something mm-hmm. today, like mm-hmm. anything. It does not have to be what they're afraid of their deepest, darkest fears, but just be like, Hey, I want to share this thing. Text it to a friend. Put it on your Facebook, whatever is comfortable to you. And I feel like when people hear this, they something immediately sparks in their mind of like, yeah, yeah I do yeah. want to share this thing that I haven't shared. That would be in context. Okay, what's the no, well now I need the, to know the other thing. So go ahead. <laughs> the other thing is something that is so simple. It's truly so simple. And I just believe it is life-changing. I talk a lot about reading. Yay. I talk a lot about books. I love uh-huh. books and reading. Every single time for years and years when I talk about reading, people say, I wish I had time to read. I don't have time to read. How do you have so much time to read? I get all of the same. This is my number one life tip, my life hack for all of life. Set a timer, set the timer on your phone for 20 minutes and read mm-hmm. a book. Mm-hmm. You have 20 minutes to spare. Don't skip the timer step. Don't be like, well, okay. Actually, literally set your timer for 20 minutes. If you do that, 
you will get through a book in two weeks or less, an average size book. But more than that, you will almost, I don't want to say almost always, many times you will, when the timer goes off, you will keep reading. Mm -hmm. You just need this like little boundary. Anybody can do anything for 20 minutes, especially when you want to be doing it. You've made the time. You've set the thing. When the timer goes off and you need to go do something else, go do something else. If you have a few more minutes, keep reading. You will easily, easily get through an average size book every two weeks doing that. Everybody Mm -hmm. has time to read. Everybody has time to read. The busiest person on the planet, Bill Gates, Barack Obama. Barack Obama puts out a book list. I mean, (laughs) seriously. Well, I I couldn't agree more um, because and people ask me the same thing. I mean, I post, you know, every month I post, um, you know, what I read this past month and include some thoughts and people are like, I don't understand. You're such a busy person. How do you do it? Um, so I agree with you. And I love the 20 minutes. You're like speaking all of my languages. And I guess I hope it's okay that I'm going to announce that this is kind of, we're going to do a little crossover. Like I'm going to be on your show and we're going to talk about books too. So yes, I can't wait. Be very exciting. I wait. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, Laura, thank you so much. This was just, um, I don't know. I have a lot of really personal feelings about this episode. And it was just so delightful to talk to you today. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I feel like I could talk about this topic for so long. So it's a delight to talk with you about sharing. So great. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. And almost as if we had planned it this week, we'd like to know what's something good, bad, or ugly that you would like to share with us this week. Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page. Or you can chat with us on Instagram at Edit Your Life Show. Thanks for listening. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.